to you open your Bibles tonight to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, as we continue looking at the Psalms of Ascent or Song of Decrees. Some of you may have that in your Bible. I have that in my Bible, but then I have another Bible that says Psalms of Ascent. So it all depends on how you pronounce it. Uh, I hope you've had a good week, and it's good to meet with you here at this midweek service as we refresh ourselves in the Lord. Uh, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, sometimes we can be guilty of limiting it just to salvation. Uh, but God is sovereign over all things and every part of our life and every part of society. And we must never divorce God from our society or from our life in any aspect, whether it be our job, our school, uh, our home, whatever. And I believe we're going to see this tonight as we look at Psalm 127. And before we uh, read it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time to get together tonight. And Lord, I I just thank you for your word and how it instructs us. Lord, open our hearts to your word tonight. Soften our hearts to your word. And Lord, help me, your unworthy servant, as I read and preach it, that I may do it faithfully. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Psalm 127. And this psalm is a uh, psalm of... Uh, Solomon, the first uh, that we've looked at, uh, the other two that we've looked that were named after somebody that we know was two by David. The others have been anonymous. Now we have one by Solomon, and we begin reading in verse one. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh or waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are, are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. We live in a world that lives and works like God does not exist. Uh, the average person is like that. Uh, we act like God doesn't exist in this world. And here in Psalm 127... Solomon begins it by stating what work is without dependence upon God. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but it's in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. As what he's stating here is, it's vain. It's emptiness. You know, uh, if you to build a house, 
to build a beautiful house. Now, we're going to look, this could also be, there's another interpretation, the building of the house could also be referring to building a family. That's debatable, but it could be another interpretation of put here. But regardless, we know it's true, except the Lord build the house or build any family. The labor's vain. If the Lord's not involved in it, uh, look, the defense of a city, the defense of a country is vain. You can have the best military in the world if the Lord's not in it. And even hard work, which he talks about here in verse 2, it's just empty without the Lord. If you, I mean, it can just destroy you. Now this sounds a little bit, when I was reading this, since Solomon is is agreed by the majority to have written this, this sounds very similar to some things he said in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 11, where Solomon stated, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Now, when it comes to building, Solomon knew a lot about building, didn't he? He built a temple. Now, David did lay the plans for that, his father, but he built it. He built a big palace. So Solomon knew a lot about building. Yet he says here, I looked at all the works of my hands that wrought, all the labor. It's all vanity and vexation. And I believe a lot of what Solomon was talking about, he, we know that Solomon fell into sin bad in his life. And he's basically saying that key word here is under the sun. That is life without God just on this earth. That labor's vain. You know, working hard is vanity. Now look, the Bible encourages us to work. Let me make that clear. We could do a whole study on that. So the, Solomon's not attacking work. We all got to work, don't we? we? I mean, you might be retired, but it's because you worked a good part of your life or most of your life. But work's important. It's good for our health even. But if all that is, if, if your whole life is consumed with your career and work, that's a pretty sad existence. And there's people like that. Look, we live in a, in a society built upon the free market, capitalism. I'm not against that, by the way. I'm not no communist or socialist. I'm just stating a fact. It is. And yet, for, for if, you've ever, if you've worked in retail, you know it can be very cutthroat cutthroat uh, where everything is about profit, 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 and even profit over people. I think that's a major problem in our country today. I mean, we can see that with rising health care costs, rising pharmaceutical costs, rising every kind of cost. And it crushes a lot of people. And a lot of people who are up the top are getting richer and richer and richer. Being rich isn't the sin, by the way. It's when the love of money is the root of all evil. 
But it's really hard <laughs> when you get the more you get to not love those things and make that your God. Um, I, you know, we, many people that's their life, and and it dominates their thought. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter five, a few chapters over, if you're still in Ecclesiastes, and verse twelve. Again, Solomon states. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. That's a powerful statement there. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. In other words, it could be the blue-collar person. They work hard, work their 9-to-5 shift or whatever. They go home, eat, go to bed. It's sweet. But for a lot of people who are rich, they can't suffer to sleep. I mean, they're thinking about what they might lose. I Look, I can tell you, being in retail, got all these managers, they're always worried about the profits going down. I work for Walmart, so... <laughs> I mean, they're always worried about it. I remember a manager that I had at another Walmart was told, told us, said the uh, district manager was texting him at 3 in the morning asking him questions. I was thinking, man, I don't think, you know, as much money as they make, I don't think I'd want that. I mean, that, that's where that consumes your life. That's when it's starting to become your God, isn't it? You've got to be careful because it can just dominate. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. Uh, Ecclesiastes 6, verse 7 states, all the laborer's man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. Isn't that true? The things of this world ultimately won't satisfy. You can get more and more and more. People think if uh, if I can just uh, get more and if I can become a billionaire, man, I would be happy then. I could, you know, like Elon Musk or Bill Gates. And yet you find out that a lot of these people struggle, and I'm not talking about necessarily these two, but a lot of these people that you hear about who are millionaires, have got a lot of fame. They struggle with addictions. They struggle with a lot of things. Uh, you find out that they're not happy. Money can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you. The things of this world won't give you, won't, won't find you that happiness or you want something more it doesn't satisfy us what Solomon's stating here and no matter how much you work look I I knew a man uh, in Florida and uh, he had he kept his business open seven days a week it's a small business but he, he he was go there seven days a week and I'm just thinking you know he's got a lot of money I think at one time he was poor and he built himself up and he, he, he was in his, he's, he's in his 80s, but he's still, he's afraid he's going to lose money. And I'm thinking, man, what's the purpose of working all them years and not enjoying the fruit of your labor? He's still, that's all he's thinking about. He doesn't think about God. It's sad. Sad uh, when you're like that, my friends. And by the way, we were not designed to work seven days a week. There's a reason why one day out of seven, uh, it's made for man. <laughs> we need it. And uh, the, the bread of anxiety will kill you. It'll wear you down. 
That's what, going back to Psalm 127, you know, you eat the bread of sorrows. Too many. They sit, you, you rise up early, work, 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 sit up late, and you eat the bread of sorrows. Now, I know that we have, a, the opposite of all this, by the way, is laziness. But to go this extreme way that Solomon is talking about can be detrimental to your soul also. Because what it shows is a dependence totally upon self and no reliance on God. You're a practical atheist is what you are. Jesus tells us, and these are some words in Matthew chapter 6 that I, when I read this, I get convicted because I always feel like I'm falling short. Verses 25 through 34. I always feel like I'm falling short here because it's a struggle what Jesus is stating here from myself where he states well let's do, do verse 24 because that's tied in to verse 25 it says no man can serve two masters or either he will hate the one and love the other else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon or you could paraphrase that you cannot serve God and money the riches of this world, this world. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for what your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. What Jesus is stating here, uh, that he's not saying quit your job and just stay at home all day long. He's not saying that. He's saying you've got to depend on God for these things, even when you're working. Too often we just want more, 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 more. Notice verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Hey, look at the birds of the air. Doesn't God take care of them? He takes care of the birds. Aren't you who are made in His image worth more than they are? Which of you can, by taking thought, can... Add one cubit unto his statue. In other words, which of us are going to do any good by sitting at home, rubbing your hands, worrying about something? Have you ever saw it? really just makes you more depressed. And why take your thought of for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not more, much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore take, therefore, I mean, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I think verse 33 is the key. Look, you got all these worries and problems you worry about. You know, am I going to be able to you know, pay my bills? Or, 
you know, can I afford this? And you're working. Jesus makes it clear. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. Be in his will. And God will take care of us. And that's what we got to understand. God, we're his children. He's not some distant God that we can't talk to. He's there for us who are his children. And all these things, he will take care of us, but we got to have faith and trust in him. And I and look, I'll be honest. I think we all struggle with this. You know, we get worried about things that happen in life daily. Uh, but remember that you're not going to add anything by just fretting about it. Just, you know, rubbing your hands. You got to always depend on him unless the Lord builds the house, Solomon states. The, let the Lord builds whatever in our life. Uh, it's all vain. So it should be the Lord. You know, whether it's building a house trusting him for a new house, or maybe it's referring to building up your family. God should be first in it, seeking him as a believer. You know, I, I think today how, you know, the family unit has collapsed. I think we can not just about agree. It's not collapsing. It has collapsed. The traditional family uh, that most of us grew up under. It, it's, it just doesn't exist anymore. That's sad. It's very sad. Yes, it's, you know, it's, it's here, but, as, but the world, I mean, we live in a day and time where you know, unions outside of marriage are common and gay, so-called gay marriage is common, and yet, my friends, God does not bless such unions. God doesn't bless sin. He doesn't. And people think that that's going to be blessed. It's not because it's against the, uh, the word of God. It's against his law. And you're building, and people don't realize they're building on, uh, on sand, not on the solid rock. Look, God is sovereign, should be sovereign. He is sovereign over all things, and we should trust him. In Psalm 24, in Psalm 24, David writes here, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Let me state this. Yes, this is a fallen world we live in, but let it also be stated, this earth is still the Lord's. He's still the Creator and all that dwell therein. They may not acknowledge Him as Lord, but He is Lord nonetheless. Whether they acknowledge Him or not, and there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Notice verse 2. For he hath founded it upon the seas, established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. God 
rules, my friends. And we got to re- remind ourselves that when all the sorrows and the troubles that we as believers go through, remember, the earth is the Lord's. He's sovereign. And trust in Him. And when it talks about, you know, about going back to Psalm 127, about, uh, you know, about the city, it's vain for the watchman to stay awake if the Lord's not involved in it. I think there's, uh, in the United States today, there's at times an arrogance that, you know, we can't fall. Man, we got the most powerful military on earth, which we do. And nobody can challenge us. But, but my friends, the USA is rotting within. within. It doesn't matter what type of how powerful our military is, my friends. God can bring. Look, look at history. God can bring down, down the most powerful. Look, we should pray for our leaders. That God is, you know, God is sovereign. We we should we can't divorce God from the national life. Uh, I'm a you don't, you can turn there if you want to. I'm just gonna go real quick to First Timothy. Chapter two, verses one and two, where where Paul states, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." And notice who he states in verse two: for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. He says pray for kings and those that are in authority. Now when he was talking about verse 2, he was talking about the Caesars. He was talking about the Roman rulers. These were not good people. Yet he says we should pray for them. We should pray for them. We should pray for our president. We should pray for our governor. We should pray for those. We should pray for their salvation. We should pray that they make right decisions. God is at work, my friends, in every part of our society. The life, the life application study Bible commenting on Psalm 126 states, a city without God will crumble from evil and corruption on the inside. How true, my friends. How true. Unless the Lord builds the house. And then in verse 3, Solomon gets to what really is important. You know, you can be anxiety ridden, you can work yourself to death, you can forget God, but he states, children are a heritage of the Lord. He's stating here the importance of family. You know, family and children is as already stated, especially family is often looked down, especially looked down on, especially the traditional view of family. But even children sometimes are seen as a a hindrance in many families. That's not true. Solomon says they're a heritage of the Lord. Fruit of the wound is his reward. This is where we start getting the things important, Solomon's stating. You know, they're not a liability. They are a blessing to mothers and fathers and to the whole family. Uh, you know, I, I find it so sad when I see 
mothers or a father cussing their children out, which they may be five or six or seven years old seeing this in public, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, you're sowing so terrible seeds in their hearts. It's going to really come out when about ten years or less. You're, re you're going to regret this. You're passing on terrible, terrible things. That's not correcting your children. That's hate. You're allowing your flesh. And, of course, they're lost. When raised in the faith, they'll be like well-aimed arrows, not launched randomly in the world, I believe Solomon is stating here. Happy is the man. Happy is the man and the woman that hath their quiver full of them. I believe he's stating here, look, let's get back to the importance of family, uh, how God builds up families. <clears throat> families are important for the church. You know, when you see the family collapsing, guess what else starts to go down? Churches and the country. Uh, family is important. Uh, happy is the man that hath his quiver full. They will not that they will not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They will have children to watch over them, to be a blessing unto them is what Solomon is stating here. In all of this here in Psalm one twenty seven, he's he's stating the importance of God having control of every aspect of our life. Except the Lord build it. Build the house. Build our families. Build our country. Uh, be a part of our lives. Uh, I, I was reading something or listening to something. I can't even remember what it was about praying without ceasing. That even when we're at work or driving, we should be in a state of prayer. That we can talk. We don't just have to have. And it's, look, we should have that quiet time with God. But you can talk to God like you talk like we talk here in church or after church. You can talk to him while you're driving. People may think you're strange if they see you carrying on a conversation, but you're carrying on conversation with God. I remember uh, this terrible prayer advice I was reading one time where, where on this website, it was on prayer. It started out good, but then it said, just sit there and pretend God's there with you. <laughs> Well, you don't have to pretend God's there with you. He is there with you when you pray, my friends. He's here with us tonight. Make God part of every part of your life. I want to close with Psalm 33, verses 16 through 18. In Psalm 33, <clears throat> beginning in verse 16, where the psalmist states, there is no king saved by the multitude of a host. In other words, there's no king, there's nobody saved by a great military. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. You're even by yourself. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in His mercy. My friends, the eye of the Lord is upon us who fear Him, who reverence Him daily, and upon all of them, on all of us who hope in His mercy. I pray that all of us 
each and every one of us will reverence, fear the Lord daily, and always hope in His mercy in every part, and in, in every part of our day. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, so often, God, uh, we, we trust in ourselves and not you. We don't depend upon you to build the house. We don't depend upon you in our life. And uh, we depend upon ourselves. and we forget, Lord, unless you do it, it's all in vain. Oh, Lord, help us to reverence you daily. Help us to always put our hope and trust in your mercy, for you are a merciful and loving God to your children. And Lord, help us as we will leave here tonight to trust in you, to watch over our lives, and to guide us in every aspect of it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.